You're listening to another episode of the Zag. Eric Rousseau here, excited to be joined by an original, an OG NLCLA 2009 fellow, David Graham Casso is here. He works in Mike Bonin's office, excited to hear what's the latest on the West Side and hear some uh, old school NLC stories. Let's get to it. All right, David, what do you remember about the original NLCLA class in 2009? Hey, Eric, thanks so much for having me. Um... So, yeah, I was a part of the inaugural class in 2009, the um, first um, NLC class in L.A. Um, what I remember most is um, it was a very um, new and exciting program, this, this idea of um, training young progressives to not only succeed in politics, but you know, in anything that they wanted to do. Um, was a fantastic idea at the time. It remains a fantastic idea, um, but we didn't really know what we were getting into. There wasn't, you know, there were not a ton of alumni around the city to um, connect with and think, oh yeah, that's uh, the type of thing that uh, um, whoever did. I was uh, um, put in touch with the program through my involvement, excuse me, through my involvement with uh, Los Angeles County Young Democrats, and um, so my kind of frame, the context I approached it was purely political. Um, and so getting to meet other, um, fellows in that class who were progressive and ambitious and really wanted to help make their neighborhoods better places to live, um, but who weren't necessarily patched into the same young Dem clubs or same political offices or, um, same, you know, series of, uh, fundraisers that, um, all these young Dems would go to, um, and see each other at through around the city. Um, it was this really kind of cool, exciting, um, opening of the world that, um, the NLC kind of helped um, helped usher in. It was um, it was a lot of fun and really, I mean, incredibly helpful as well. Um, I remember um, some of the uh, the courses, some of the uh, you know counterintuitive things that I was not um, thinking I needed to know or would benefit from learning, like grant writing and um, you know things like that, were um, actually incredibly helpful um, to have some. Um, in professional instruction. And, um, and then there were things that were incredibly directly applicable to um, still to my work today about messaging and public speaking and, um, you know, framing and storytelling. Um, those were all um, trainings and seminars through the program that, um, you know, still benefit my work in the, my day-to-day um, role for Councilmember Bonin. Yeah. And then where did you guys meet? Because since 2010, when I was a fellow, we've been in the tennis channel, but were you guys somewhere else? Yeah, we were in an office park um, in um, Culver City, just off of Slauson. Um, I actually still see, I, um, I, I drive, um, as you drive down La Cienega and kind of go under where you can um, uh, where you can exit off uh, La Cienega to go on Slauson, um, I can still see the building every time I drive home um, from work. Nice. Um, well, I usually think about it, I'll see. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm glad you brought up storytelling because there's definitely been an interesting, interesting story the last 12 months on the West Side. Uh, one of the things I wanted to have you on to talk about was the the Great Street Project on Venice Boulevard yeah, in absolutely. the Mar Vista area. And, uh, you know, this is, a, for those who don't know, is a, is a mix of Garcetti's Great Street idea trying to turn uh, kind of main sections of different parts of town into more pedestrian-friendly, business-friendly places, and also a mix of Vision Zero type work to really try to smooth out uh, traffic collisions and, and to really try to make um, fatalities disappear in the city. And so one of those projects happened to be on Venice Boulevard about a year ago, uh, which meant uh, removing some some uh, parking spaces from the street, kind of adding different lights, different sections, and, and trying to slow things down. Uh, how would you describe the immediate uh, aftermath of that decision? And where do things stand right now? 
Well, let me uh, back you up just a little bit here. So um, and thank you for the uh, the question, the framing there. Um, the Great Streets program um, was Mayor Garcetti's initiative to identify one corridor in each of the 15 council districts around Los Angeles and um, dedicate um, you know, services, um, whether it be street services, street lighting, um, sanitation pickups, um, or the, the Department of Transportation um, has a Vision Zero program, as you um, mentioned, that seeks to end traffic fatalities um, by the year uh, 2025. Now, it's very important to uh, notice it doesn't say end traffic collisions because human error is going to happen. Um, but it's a matter of how do we make our streets safe um, you know, through engineering? How do we educate both drivers and pedestrians and cyclists? Um, how do we ensure that there is equity in the way that we approach these um, safety improvements? And how do we do it all from a data-driven, um, really kind of impartial, um, you know, numbers-focused approach um, to, you know, focusing our efforts on the streets that need the attention most? Um, so yeah, the uh, Great Streets Project in Mar Vista, um, it didn't start a year ago. It started about three and a half years ago. It was, um, you know, there was intense outreach. Um, there were, we went door to door in the neighborhood and door to door at businesses. Um, we, um, did surveys after surveys after surveys. Um, uh, we had big, uh, um, uh, poster boards with a bunch of different concepts about what type of thing would you like to see um, in this area of Mar Vista, and it's um, uh, Venice Boulevard. Um, in between, it's about a, a little under a mile stretch of Venice Boulevard, um, which is kind of if you live in Mar Vista, um, known as the downtown Mar Vista neighborhood. But there were it was not very pedestrian friendly. It was not very cycling friendly. It wasn't neighborhood friendly. Um, so the idea of being able to bring the dedicated um, services and attention from the mayor's Great Streets Initiative at the same time as improving the um, pedestrian safety and making the area more welcome to people who want to, um, you know, come and get a um, you know bite at the Mar Vista and uh, go across to Alana's to get a grab a uh, grab a cup of coffee. Um, who you know want to shop at Vintage on Venice? All these different really cool boutique, um, very Mar Vista feeling stores. We wanted to turn the area into the small town downtown that people in Mar Vista deserve and were lacking. Um, and actually, uh, as we found out through the number of surveys we did, we're clamoring for. Um, so there was a ser- there were a series of improvements from sidewalk um, improvements and you know grinding out bumps and um, you know constructing some new sidewalks and curb ramps where possible. Um, to doing pedestrian safety improvements like um, uh, mid-block crossings that would allow people to get across the street with a flashing beacon that stopped um, you know cars from speeding down the road, um, and then as you mentioned, yes, part of it was a um, what's unfortunately referred to as a road diet, which has become kind of a hot button phrase. Um, And that would uh, remove one of the three lanes of traffic in either direction um, so that we could put the parking lane um, on the um, in between traffic and cyclists and pedestrians. Um, Again, with Vision Zero, um, the goal is to slow cars down to a safe speed um, not stop them entirely, but make sure that they're when they're driving through neighborhoods, they're driving at a safe speed, um, and also create buffers between where um, you know the most vulnerable users of the road, cyclists and pedestrians, are, and where you know speeding huge hunks of iron and steel are. Um, that is you know the uh, the goal of it. Um, those uh, the road diet has been the most controversial part of this, and um, that was in, started to be installed uh, about a year ago, and we're we've just reached the end of a pilot phase. 
services. We use low cost, uh, temporary materials so that we could, you know, make improvements and see what was working, what wasn't. Um, there were some people who were not very happy about this, especially because, and this was going to be, this is a challenge that you'll see with kind of any project like this. Um, in the first couple of weeks, um, it required significant road work to remove a lane of traffic, restripe the road, um, you know, add these mid-block crossings, especially. Um, and so there was traffic congestion of, you know, naturally when you are doing road work, you're going to get a little bit of traffic congestion. Um, and people saw that congestion and, um, you know, there were, um, individuals either from the community who, you know, had to drive it pretty frequently to get to and from their homes or places of business, um, or who used Venice Boulevard to drive through Mar Vista, who were not very happy with the traffic congestion, um, got upset, dug in and the community um, became unfortunately divided between people who wanted to see this uh, these improvements in their neighborhood um, and people who were not pleased with them and wanted them removed immediately um, we you know have listened there's been a lot of um, intensity and uh, heat around the issue uh, but we've listened we've made updates and improvements um, you know adding green paint to make bike lanes more visible um, to help uh, both cyclists know where to go and drivers know when they're crossing over a bike lane and could be coming into contact with um, somebody on their bike. Um, but then also doing things like, um, you know, um, changing the phasing of the, uh, of the signal lights um, to improve the flow of traffic. Um, and the um, early data that we've seen has, has shown that this has been pretty successful. Um, vehicle speeds have reduced, thankfully, to a safer, um, a safer speed um, without severely impacting travel times. Yes, travel times have gone up, um, but marginally. So we're looking at about a minute um, at the worst on average. Um, of course, there are going to be isolated instances and anecdotes of, you know, I've, you know, a lot longer than a minute. Um, but on average, just purely, again, objective data um, says that, you no know, people have uh, um, slowed down. And that's a very good thing because that encourages more people to get out and um, go walk around the neighborhood and go sit outside and, um, you know, sip a cup of coffee. Um, that's what we wanted to see. And uh, this Great Streets project is uh, um, the way that we went about doing that. So we're going to continue analyzing data. Um, and it'll take a couple of months to kind of, um, you know, bring together all of the different data points that were gathered during that uh, first year. And then we'll be uh, making decisions along with the Department of uh, Transportation's general manager um, to decide what the uh, best next steps are to meet the project's goals um, of a small town downtown that's safe and inviting for people to enjoy. Yeah. And so I think it's good context. And I have a couple uh, kind of short follow-up questions yeah, here because I think what's, what's really relevant to a lot of NLC alums and just community members in general who try to stay engaged, there's just a lot of pieces here that I think are interesting. One, uh, that first part you mentioned that your office felt, and I think this is true because uh, I saw you out there as well, did a lot of outreach when the project launched and a lot of the initial frustration with um, the project happened and people come to meetings, speaking in public comment and whatnot. I would constantly hear people say, well, the outreach shouldn't make it to me. So obviously you can't literally go to every home, call every person, check off every uh, uh, box that you have. But how do you kind of counteract that or how do you respond to that idea that uh, outreach wasn't done when clearly you know you did so many different things, but you're not going to catch everybody? Yeah, no, that's um, a good question. It's um, not an easy needle to thread there. It's um, you want to be able to um, – um, 
I mean, you want to be able to incorporate everybody's input because, again, this is about making the neighborhood a place that neighbors want to enjoy. And that includes people who hate the road diet and wanted it removed immediately. And they liked other parts of the project. Um, so you do as much outreach as you can, but you don't sit back and say, well, we did our outreach. That's all. And anything. And and that's all that we're going to do. And anybody who has anything else to say, we don't want to hear from you because you had your opportunity and you missed it. That's not the way that we work. It's about um, listening and trying to understand. And again, this is something I've uh, learned through the New Leaders Council. Um, we listen to where they're coming from. What emotions are driving what they're saying? What are they um, trying? What are they feeling? And how do you um, hear that? How do you? Um, empathize with them? And then um, how do you try to incorporate their feedback into a productive manner? Um, how do you actually um, take their feedback and um, see if there are changes that you can make to the project? So to answer your question, um, you don't make the case that, well, we did our outreach and we did enough outreach, so that box is checked. Um, outreach, especially for local government, needs to be constant, needs to be um, earnest, and it uh, needs to be continuous. That's uh, the only really way to approach um, you know, what we're trying to do in this, uh, in this office. And here's the thing I'd love to know, there's lots of alums who are on neighborhood councils and so have some uh, understanding of, of what this meeting would probably was like, but I think of some of the town halls I went on this issue, it was the most intensely vitriolic experience I've seen in the local neighborhood community council kind of way, where literally at, at times people were booing folks in wheelchairs who were making the case that slowing down traffic and having a goal of no fatalities was the way to go. Uh, people just really taking that public comment and that uh, visual anger and and talking over people idea to the extreme. So when you are the, the politician or you're the staff of the Politico where this is happening in a meeting, in a series of meetings, how do you respond when things are turned up to 11? <laughs> um, well, that's one of the times I get to be really grateful that I work for somebody like Councilmember Bonin, who has a thick skin. Um, he um, has taken, I mean, this is somebody who has, um, you know, hosted a, no, a number of town halls about how we um, help solve homelessness in Venice. Um, and, you know, you would think that that would be one of the more intense uh, conversations that you would encounter until you talk about road diets in Mar Vista. Um, that, you know, you're absolutely right that it's difficult when there's vitriol coming at you. And it's a bit of a microcosm of where we are nationally. Um, it's unfortunately where, um, you know, what we see on a daily basis on cable news of that's what political discourse looks like. And you disagree with somebody, they must be evil and you should yell at them and tell them so. Um, it is not productive. But again, to answer your question, the way that you handle that is understand that that person is feeling obviously passionate, um, but they're feeling something. It's not coming out of just a um, perverse desire to yell at an elected official in a public forum, I would hope. Um, but it is something that is, that means something, uh, you know, they are talking about something that means something to them and their family. Um, so you have to understand that the anger is born out of frustration and fear. And there is some value in what is being said, even if it gets clouded in vitriol and boos and hisses and whatever um, else was happening at that meeting. Um, so yeah, it's about just continuing to listen. And then on the framing side, I think you're right to say that road diet is now a pretty uh, lost phrase. It's one that's going to have, I think, negative connotations from here and out in the city. What is the better framing for 
what the Great Streets and Vision Zero projects are trying to do? Um, well, first of all, it's to separate them. Not every great street project in each of the 15 council districts is on a Vision Zero. Um, it's called the High Injury Network. It's the, I believe it's the 6 or 8% um, uh, transportation wonks in LC are going to get mad at me for not knowing that one. So then if you're just trying to get rid of, um, of the phrase road diet, what would you replace it with? Um it depends on what the situation is. I wouldn't give it a blanket phrase. There are different tactics. And in Venice, um, on Venice Boulevard and Mar Vista, um, I would call it pedestrian safety improvements to make it a small town downtown. There's not a shorthand phrase that is um, going to be you know, generally applicable to every single scenario when you're reducing um, a lane of traffic for a certain stretch. Um, it depends on, is it a protected bike lane? I'd say call it installing a protected bike lane. Is it about pedestrian safety and moving parking out so you, that you could have a pop-up park? I would call it a pop-up park. Um, it's you know about the, you have to frame it as um what is going to be put into the community, not what is being lost. It's not about the lane of traffic. It's about what is coming to the community, and that's safety and um, a more inviting neighborhood. Nice. We'll take a short break. When we come back, some other questions about Westside LA politics and the city in general. Stay tuned. One of the other big uh, things that Bonin is known for is... uh, public transportation, I mean, on on the Metro board, what kind of things should people on the West side and then the city in general look forward to in the coming years? Uh, We have a lot of exciting things happening here. Um, You know, by the end of the next year, uh, the Crenshaw line should open. That's going to connect, you know, a very important North South route um, through more of the center of the city Um, that is, um, you know, scheduled to open um, late 2019. What's so exciting about the Crenshaw line, though, is that we are finally, finally, finally getting a connection between LAX and Metro Rail. Um, you, you know, people are going to be able to take a train to the LAX station on the Crenshaw line, board an automated people mover that will take you directly to your terminal. You are not going to need to ask friends or family members to drop you off at LAX anymore. That is the most exciting thing. Um, for travelers in LA, for people who get called to get asked for pickups in LA. Um, but also I live in Westchester, um, adjacent to the neighborhood, uh, to the airport and, um, neighborhoods like Westchester and Playa del Rey are going to see fewer cars on the road, um, because more people are going to have the option to take the train to the airport. Um, that is a game changer. And, um, that's something that Councilmember Bonin, um, worked with Mayor Garcetti, um, on getting done um, on both the city level and then also um, the metro board. As you mentioned, the council member sits on the metro board as well. Um, so he got to be in a um, representing the area that he does uh, with the airport, um, being the chair of the council's transportation committee and being on the metro board put him in this really kind of unique uh, role where he could deliver on something huge. And um, and we have, and that's that's really, really exciting. And then last thing, uh, kind of going from something big like the Metro line to the airport to something small, what is the councilman's approach to bird scooters right now? Um, listening. Um, so the, uh, um, I'm not sure when this will air, sorry, but um, yesterday um, uh, it was the 23rd, I believe, of um, the month. We um, had a transportation committee meeting uh, that council member chaired um, where we listened to um, input 
and uh, proposed regulations for both bird scooters, the um, powered scooters uh, that you can use your um, you know mobile phone to check out and ride around, um, but also for dockless bikes. Um, uh, uh, I forget the uh, bird uh, lime lime uh, lime bikes are the uh, um, dockless bikes. Same the same concept. You ride the bike anywhere, you leave it, and um, you somebody else can pick it up uh, using their phone. Um, these are great mobility devices that can help connect people to a transit to um, other areas of the city without needing to be adding to traffic. Um, but there are cons- concerns and considerations that need to be taken into account. Um, for instance, where they're left. If you you have a line of bird scooters blocking a sidewalk, then that means that somebody can't pass if they um, are in a wheelchair. Um, that means that somebody has to step over it, um, you know, if they're on the sidewalk. And so there are um, ways to approach regulation with uh, while still allowing um, innovation to connect our neighborhoods in a way that um, Councilmember Bonin has really kind of championed uh, through his roles on Metro and the Transportation Committee. Do you think bird scooters are a way to convince more people there should be protected alternate mode lanes, bike lanes, whatever you want to call them? Because I, I do feel like there's an opportunity here if more people can ride them like in this early stage where it's more of a disruptive phase. But I think what people realize once they're on them and, and they're kind of choosing between streets or the sidewalk, they tend to take the sidewalk because it's safer. But I wonder if this is a way to encourage folks who wouldn't necessarily advocate for protected bike lanes or protected areas on roads uh, to make that case. Do you see something like that happening? Absolutely. No, that's a very important point. And it is something um, that you know we certainly hope happens. Um, in the context of um, you know, the conversation that we've had here today, the, um, from road diets to Vision Zero, um, pedestrian safety and especially bike safety, it gets too often marginalized as um, only benefiting mammals. And by mammals, I mean uh, middle-aged men wearing Lycra. Um, it is, you know, the, when you think about a cyclist, it's often, um, you know, the, especially on the West side, it's hobbyists. Um, but the reason that Vision Zero is so important is because the victims of uh, um, co- vehicle collisions, those who die most frequently, are kids and older people and low, people with low incomes who don't have the money to buy a car um, to contribute to traffic. Instead, they rely on public transportation in their daily lives to get around. And if you rely on public tra- transportation in Los Angeles, it means you need to walk or bike to and from um, stations and um, uh, pickup locations. Um, by improving the way that we um, protect people as they use our neighborhoods, um, we make it more equitable for everybody in Los Angeles to be able to go about their lives without the threat of you know, being killed by a car driving too fast on a road that wasn't built for that sort of speed. Um, so that is um, absolutely something that mobility devices like bird scooters and line bikes um, can help connect with people that this isn't just about the guy wearing the Lycra driving and, um, you know, flying down a bike lane. Um, it's about everybody having, um, access to safe and inviting neighborhoods that where they can get around without fear of literal death. Nice. Well, listen, that's a good note to end on. Thanks so much for your contributions to the West side. And thanks of course to Councilman Bonin, who's been a longtime supporter of NLCLA. And thanks for everyone who's listened to this episode of the Zag. You can catch the rest in the Google play store, iTunes store, all the good places where podcasts are had. And don't forget, we want to see you a week from tomorrow on June 2nd at our fundraiser in East LA Boyle Heights at self-help graphics tickets on sale this weekend, including some ticket specials for Memorial Day weekend. So don't forget to check those out at la.newleaderscouncil.org. 
More episodes of The Zag coming next week. Until then, enjoy your long weekend. We'll see you soon.